I'm Austin Lugo. I'm Andrew Hark. This is with nothing to say. Let's talk about the apartment. So can you give a short plot synopsis of what the apartment is? The apartment is about a guy who works at an insurance agency in New York City and he uses his small crappy apartment. Well, he lets other people use his crappy apartment so they can have, basically so they can have sex with their mistresses. And things do not go well for anyone. 1960, directed by and written by Billy Wilder and I.A.L. Diamond, 1960, is the second Billy Wilder movie I've seen. I saw Some Like It Hot, like, not too long ago for the first time. I liked it. It was, like, a kind of, like, a nice, fun, silly movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, Jack Lemmon is in that movie, who I'm a Jack Lemmon fan. I think he's very good. Uh, He was good in in Some Like It Hot, and he's also very good in this movie. Uh, I, I I like some like a hot. It's a pretty fun movie, um, but it, yeah. Um, unfortunately, those are the only ones I've watched. So you haven't seen Sunset Boulevard? No. <laughs> no. Look, look. The, the thing about these older movies, and we'll talk about older movies, is that like these older movies, like you know, I love horror movies and, sh- and action movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like these older movies, they just I have to be in the right mood for them. Like I I, I feel like they need like a lot of patience Mm. uh so if i feel like i don't have the patience to watch a movie like that i don't watch it you know what i mean so like apartment requires a lot of patience you know um i just happen to be in the right mood for it you know it's a lot of you know talking a lot of dialogue not 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 necessarily like an incredibly visual movie but there's a lot of talking in it um Mm. and i'm assuming that's how billy wilder's movies are and uh, other you know old movies of course as well you know they're very you know talky i guess you could say which is fine you know um it depends but yeah if i'm that's why i just haven't seen that's another reason why i just haven't seen a lot of these older movies just because like i need like i need to know i'm gonna be able to pay attention to it <laughs> yeah i'll say the pacing especially of billy wilder i think his pacing in particular which is it's interesting because you know he's really is, he became a, a big filmmaker in the 60s. I mean, of course, uh, Some Like It Hot and Sunset Boulevard came out in the 50s, I believe. Um, double Indemnity, I think Double Indemnity came out in the 40s, which people, I know people love as well. Yes, yeah, but like Billy like, Wilder kind of became like the big uh, director in the 60s, which is interesting because his style of directing is a lot more of say the 30s or 40s say of like your Cary Grant Catherine Hepburn movies you know your uh talkies if you will he's much more especially because he's a writer first and a director second I would say he's much more interested in the dialogue and story than he is in visuals so he's kind of like I suppose if you have like a say Orson Welles or a Michelangelo Antonioni on one end of the spectrum he's sort of on the other end he's you know like Jean-Luc Godard really is interested in story He's not really interested in, you know, dialogue. He's interested in the visuals and how to sell, tell a story visually, where I would say Billy Wilder is sort of on the opposite of the spectrum, where there are certainly some spectacular visuals, but visuals always come second to the yeah. sort of uh, more, the d- story itself. Yeah. yeah, he's more interested in using, like, I guess, the visual 
element of filmmaking um, to tell the story. And it's basically come second before the writing, um, which is very good. Um, and you know, I'm, the thing about old movies too, like this, once again, uh, when I say old movies, I say like movies made 1960 or earlier. Uh, you know, the thing about movies like that is that usually um, I like that their main concern is telling a, a good story which uh, I like, I like, uh, and that's definitely what the apartment is. It's definitely, the biggest concern is telling the story. It's, there's no like, there's really nothing in the way in terms of like visuals or, you know, unusual qualities to it. Um, but yeah, it's cool. So we open up on like this aerial shot of New York City. It looks like it's basically just shot from like a plane or something. Yeah. And Jack Lemon is giving this voiceover basically of, you know, here's how many people live in New York City. Here's how many people uh, work at this insurance agency I work at. And then we kind of close in on this wonderful, one of my uh, favorite shots in the apartment and really one of my favorite shots in cinema, which is him sitting at this desk of like hundreds of people. And there's these beautiful leading lines and there's like these bright yeah. lights hanging over it. And apparent, supposedly, to get it to look like there are more people in there than there actually are. Like, oh, maybe mirrors? They use mirrors and they also use miniatures. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I did not yeah. know. <laughs> I know that um, they do that. Um, yeah, there are some shots in Alien, they do that, where um, they're walking down a big long corridor and they put a mirror in the back. And if you look close enough, you can see the reflection of like Harry Dean Stain. Uh, <laughs> like, I, did, I didn't notice that though. I didn't notice that they use like, uh, um, uh, like uh, tricks for that that's cool yeah it's a really impressive use of both extras and also it reminds me a lot of uh in citizen kane that there's the scene where he is standing at the podium and it looks like there's like a big crowd of people but what they actually used to do that is they got like this piece of paper and they just poked a bunch of holes in it and they just put like like a flashlight under it <laughs> which is just <laughs> That reminds me, like, have you seen that new um, Zack Snyder movie, Army of the Dead? Not yet, no. It sucked. Uh, <laughs> it was really bad. Um, and I watched the, uh, <laughs> it's a zombie movie, so there are, like, a lot of zombies everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and I watched the behind the scenes. Uh, for some reason, I watched the behind the scenes <laughs> feature after I watched the actual movie. I was like, okay, whatever. It, it played automatically on Netflix. And I was watching it, and they talked, like, forever about, like, um, like using CGI to make like crowds of like zombies and crowds of people, you know what I mean? Like using a combination of like CGI and like actual extras. And they went into this thing where like, yeah, we like uh, uh, in order to, you know, make a big crowd of zombies, we scan actual people walking, like using like a scanner, we CGI them in and, da -da 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 -da, and it's like all this shit. And it's like, yeah, I guess that's, kind of, it's impressive. But like, if you watch the movie, the effect isn't very convincing or very <laughs> interesting you know it's very um soulless you know yeah you know good work you know obviously like tons of great work went into that you know what i mean like painstaking and stuff i would never imagine i could do but it's just like the effect in the film is just they just don't do a good job so but the movie also has worse problems so the also the fact that it's about two and a half hours long is also a problem <laughs> But I digress. <laughs> so uh, our protagonist, 
played by Jack Lemmon, who, again, just incredible, worked with almost, he's in almost all of Billy Wilder's films. So it's interesting if you watch Billy <laughs> Wilder films back to back, you see a ton of Jack Lemmon, who's incredible. Yeah. And he plays C.C. Baxter, who is this kind of just, you know, just one of 30 some thousand people working at this office. He's kind of a nobody. And he's working late at the office. Everyone else sorry left. They kind of have like this bell that rings for each floor to like leave. And they all just like leave it for like the whole office to leave. And he, and he stays. And so he's like working late. And the voiceover is like, I don't actually work late. Like I don't care about working late. I just can't go home. And then we cut to him walking home in like a dark, rainy night. And then we cut, that's the first time we cut to the apartment, right? Yep. I love how it sets up, how it begins, by the way. It could, like, the movie would have been, like, so slow going if they decided to, like, do, like, an origin story. <laughs> Instead, like, you're in, you're in the middle of it happening, and you get it right away. Like, you totally get it. Like, right away, you don't need, like, a long sequence of scenes to tell you, like, how this happened. It's just, that it's just, just right away, like, this is reality. This is happening. I love that. You know what I mean? Because it would have just been so slow going. Like, he kind of explains the origin of it later, mm-hmm. but he very briefly and it's like okay now we know how it came about but it doesn't like if watching that on film would have been just so pointless it's so much more fun and interesting that we start right in the middle of it that's so good and yeah like he goes to his apartment um and they're supposed to leave at like eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. it's like an hour you know what i mean they're late to leave and it's <laughs> his co-workers with some uh, women <laughs> Um, and they're talking, you know, they're t- the way that they talk to each other, too, right away, you know, that like, oh, this isn't his wife, it's like his girlfriend. You know? uh-huh. Talking about like, you know, uh, they're getting dressed and he's like, oh, we got to get out of here, da, 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 you know. <laughs> and he's like, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, and Jack Lemon's waiting around outside, Baxter is, and they like, I think they get out of the apartment and, um, you know, he's like, oh, why do all your dames live in the. Uh, that's the other thing about old movies is like just the the this movie made me laugh a lot intentionally and unintentionally just because like some of the dialogue is just like you know so the old that oldie dialogue is kind of fun to laugh at like calling women dames and stuff like that is just like it makes me laugh it's just yeah. so silly. it's like why all you dames live in the forest or something <laughs> like, okay. yeah and he uh he finally so finally Baxter after waiting around can go into the apartment and there's this wonderful line that just makes me laugh every time which when the uh man is taking his mistress out of the apartment she asks she asks do you take all your dames here and he says of course not i'm a married man of course not i'm a happily married man yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah really funny movie uh i i I thought i thought thought this movie was funnier than some like it hot i think some like it hot is funny Mm -hmm. like a slapsticky charlie chaplin buster keaton kind of way yeah Apartment is just like more like Jack Lemmon is kind of like a slapsticky guy in a, a little bit in the movie, um, but for the most part, it's a dialogue and it's very good. Yeah, and the I, situations too, like the situations that people are in, like those are funny too. Yeah, yeah, and I I think you know, you're kind of talking about how they uh, you know kind of laughing at the old language they use using like dames and and you know just kind of the uh, what would today be considered archaic language. It feels a bit and I think this is true of a lot of 
Billy Wilder's work is it feels much more like work from the 40s, like a Howard Hawks or a George Kikor than it does from films from the 60s. Because like, if you listen to the dialogue of, again, going back to like Breathless or, you know, uh, Leno or, you know, a lot of the films of the 60s, it doesn't have the same kind of dialogue. So I think part of it is just that he's kind of referencing back to this, you know, he has a certain nostalgia for this uh, certain time of filmmaking, just like so many filmmakers often, you know, move back to like an earlier time or kind of, you know, have a lot of homages. I think in this sense, his writing, even though it's the 60s and it looks, right, the film looks very 60s-esque. You got like the hats and just the way people dress and kind of the futuristic, weird thing going on, you know, just like the way the world is kind of built. But at the same time, yeah. the language feels old, much older than the 60s. So C.C. Baxter goes back up to his apartment and as he's walking up, that's where we first, the first time we meet Dr. Dreyfus, right? Yeah, we, his, his neighbor, Dr. Dreyfus. And yeah, they have a funny conversation about like, oh, you're always, uh, you know, <laughs> partying in there. You're always like drinking and we can hear you, you know, and it's like, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, uh, sorry. You know, just kind of. And everyone thinks, <laughs> which is, I, I think, one of the reasons Jack Lemmon is a perfect choice, just incredible casting, even though Billy Wilder would have picked him anyways, is because Jack Lemmon is like one of the most sort of straight cut kind of people. Like he's just very clean. Yeah, he kind of is, yeah. And thinking of him as like this, like, you know, sex monger partier is... Yeah, it's funny too. <laughs> it's a little ridiculous. And, and so he... He gets the key from through the mat, which is where we kind of realize that that's kind of like how the system works is, you know, whenever uh, someone and their mistress leaves the apartment, they leave it under the mat. And he goes back into the apartment and he's cleaning up and there's just, you know, junk everywhere. Yeah, he has to clean up their stupid mess. <laughs> but yeah, and, and later though, um, I think he goes to the office the next day. Mm -hmm. and it's kind of, we kind of also then discover like why he does it it's because he wants to get ahead in his job in his career at the insurance company um and then you have that uh i think um i think he goes into the apartment the next day and i think that's when he meets um fran kublik um i believe gets on the elevator the next morning oh when he's going up to the to yeah. his office yeah 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 he meets fran kublik played by shirley mclean you know, it's kind of like a movie about the two of them, you know, more or less. It's not really about primarily about um, Baxter. Uh, so, yeah, you're introduced to the fact that, you know, she's uh, an elevator attendant. <laughs> it's a weird job. I know people still do it, but like, you just press the button. I mean, you just... It's pretty weird. I guess like maybe elevators were so new back in the day that they were like, dude, people have no idea what they're going to do when they see it. Like what, you know what I mean? Like we need to have these people to press the button. But yeah, she has a job and she's good. Um, and she's uh, sexually assaulted too uh, after they have a little conversation. After, not by Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon and Charlie McClellan have a fun little conversation in the elevator and then she's sexually assaulted by the guy who was at the apartment the night before. So right away, um, every man in the movie is horrible, except maybe for Jack Lemmon. <laughs> he has some downfalls, but he's fine. 
and uh, his uh, doctor neighbor. Um, everybody, all the other men in the movie are horrible monsters. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, like I said, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like I said, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's discovered that, you know, he's kind of getting ahead because all the people using his apartment are basically higher ups. And there's this one very funny scene where he's at his desk and he has to reschedule everyone and he's going through his calendars and he's taking like several, which is a very long scene, you know, and they do a good job kind of uh, mixing it up. Mm -hmm. you know, he's kind of, um, yeah, having to, you know, uh, uh, can you hold for a second? Uh, can you do Wednesday? You know, he's just like very, very funny, very good. Uh, ridiculous scene uh, mm. like he's at his job and he's like basically scheduling out his like apartment so these dirty guys can have like sex with their mistresses <laughs> yeah I, I think something that I'm always impressed when I watch this film is that there aren't really a whole lot of locations I mean there's the apartment there's outside the apartment there's a restaurant that they go to there's like an office and then there's like the big office and that's about it. There's only like five or six locations and these scenes often go very long and Billy Wilder is known to hold on to scenes for a long time. And I can understand why you might want to have to be in a certain mood to watch these kinds of films. Cause the thing with like, once you get into like the seventies and eighties, especially with horror films is they cut really fast. That's kind of when, right. The modern sort of cutting, you know, coming from like Kurosawa's seven samurai and films like that. We're cutting yeah. this kind of you know Watch jumps that. ahead. Yeah, Dennis Hopper's uh, Easy Rider recently. And oh, that, really? Everything in that movie is crazy. Yeah, when people when watched it, they were like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" And I think that was only like what nine, eight, seven years after The Apartment. Mm -hmm. It's a crazy movie where it has this like weird editing and you know drugs and yeah, yeah. And so I I get why watching an older film takes a lot of patience even if it is like a comedy because it's just pacing was different you know you watch a comedy from like the 20s or 30s or 40s and 50s and even you know billy wilder's in the 60s although this is kind of where it's changing they hold on to a shot for a really long time they're just they're just really willing and i i think part of the reason you don't see that today is because there's so much fear of boring uh, a viewer or like a viewer <laughs> just like tuning out because there's so many easy distractions and I think yeah. today it's really risky to, you know it's so easy to just go okay we're gonna get our master and then we're gonna get our shot reverse shot and then we're gonna get our over the shoulders and then we'll just like cut every you know five seconds and it's fine and you know it's enjoyable so that's why I would say watching a bad movie from like 2020 I think is a lot more tolerable than watching a bad movie from like the 1940s just because it doesn't feel as long because a bad movie from like the 40s or 50s which there's still plenty of it just drags on forever and it feels so slow but when it's done well it's impressive and I think that's kind of something that Billy Wilder does well is you know he can hold on a scene for a long time there'll be shots that just hold and he'll just sit there and he's and he's fine with that and I think that's that's something I, I, I miss a bit, I guess, in cinema. Yeah, the apartment, um, the apartment's good because yeah, it does all those things where, you know, scenes will go on for a while, but because the writing and the characters are good, it's totally fine. Like I completely like, I completely, you know, didn't feel bored at all. You know what I mean? If the writing was bad then yeah, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed uh, like how long some of the scenes go, but because everything works 
everything else works. Like I don't, I, I, some of the scenes could have gone on for another five minutes and I would have been fine with that. So it's just real, it's just really, that's how it all comes down to. And uh, yeah, it's uh, very good. <laughs> so he's, we forgot to mention that while he's rescheduling all these people, he is sick because he couldn't get into his apartment. That's true, because he had to sit, sit in the rain. Yeah. So he had to sit in the rain all night. He didn't have to get into his apartment until super late. So he's sick and he's got like all these tissues and he gets a call from the 27th floor and it's uh, it's his boss. Sheldrick. Sheldrick. And so he says, come up to my office. And so uh, CZ Baxter is super excited. He's like, oh, I'm finally going to get that raise. I'm finally going to move ahead in the world. And he, he goes to the elevator. He gets on the elevator with the, the same woman uh, from before. And he's like blowing snot everywhere. He's got like tons of tissues. And he's all excited. He's like, oh, you know, look at me. I'm going to be you know, the big man on campus. And he goes up to the 27th floor, he gets into the office and, you know, he's, he's still pretty pumped. He's pretty excited. And he sits down in the chair and Sheldrick basically goes on this rant tangent sort of thing, talking about the last person who, you know, became super popular ran uh, like a, a bookie. bookie, was like a bookie. <laughs> yeah, a bookie yeah. And so immediately- cc baxter goes from like very excited to very terrified and it kind of feels like you know is he gonna lose his job here is this you know what's gonna happen here and we come to learn that of course just like all the other men sheldrick has his uh his lovers and he well, wants that 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 progression of that conversation very good very 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 good <laughs> super funny because yeah at first you're like oh no Jack Lemon's gonna get scolded and fired da, 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 da. but then it's like yeah it, it's revealed like oh so now Shell Drake wants the apartment mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so yeah that's a that that that's a that that's a good scene that's a good scene and CC Baxter I don't know if it's like just genuine naivete but like takes a long time to kind of realize what's going on. He's just like totally confused that this yeah, he man, <laughs> he just doesn't get it. Talking about, he was just talking about how the other guys are like morally apprehensive you know, <laughs> because yeah. he uses his apartment, but now he wants it and he's like, what? <laughs> and so in exchange for the key and the promise of moving up in the world, CC Baxter is given two tickets to the music man. So he takes the tickets. He feels like, you know, he, he feels a little stretched thin because he has to like move everything around because he never seems to be in his own apartment because he's constantly lending it out to uh, yep. men having affairs. And that night or that, yeah, that evening, he waits for the elevator girl, which her name is Fran. Fran. And he waits for Fran and Fran comes out of the elevator and he invites her to go to the music van. And she says, oh, you know, I haven't seen it before. I would love to, but I have to do this other thing with this other guy. And he kind of yeah. <laughs> she said that. I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, you kind of, you do see it coming, uh, but that's okay. It's fine. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's more like, even though you see it coming when, right when Fran says like, yeah, I'm seeing someone else tonight. You're like, Okay, yeah, you, you kind of realize like, okay, I, think I know what's gonna happen. But even then, like you still, um, you know, 
uh, Baxter doesn't know. So there's still that like uh, tension or that edge to it, even if you do, even if the viewer do, does know, he doesn't know. So it's still good. And so Fran says, well, I don't know if I can go to dinner, but maybe I can meet you at the music, man, you know, at the theater where the music band's playing. And so Cece Baxter is super excited. So then we cut to Fran sitting at this like tiki bar or it's like a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, like a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we learned that Fran is sitting across from Mr. Sheldrick. Yes. Yeah, and they just have a conversation about like, you know, Sheldrick says that, you know, I don't want to break up. Please, I, I want to divorce. I'm going to divorce my wife. Um, you know, and she's like, uh, I don't know. Da, da, da. Um, he's like, look, let's go to this apartment um, and hang out. Uh, and then I think uh, as they're leaving, his secretary comes in. Um, she spots them. She just sees them, you know, his secretary. Mm -hmm. um, and they leave and they go to his apartment and Baxter is stood up. He, he's outside of the theater and I think he just leaves. And then I think after that, it cuts to the, uh, the Christmas party, I think. I think the Christmas party is the next scene. Because that's a scene where he he sees Fran again, and he's like, "Hey, I'm not mad at you." Yeah, yeah. I can't remember if he got promoted first or not. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think you're right. He does. He I think he does get promoted first because after finally, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, letting all of his all these guys. Uh, yes, because yeah, exactly. I know what you're talking about because yeah, the scene where the the he gets his own office, mm -hmm. he's like an assistant manager you know whatever who cares yeah. <laughs> like the the four guys who's been helping out are like hey, we want to use the apartment again and say you better <laughs> give us the apartment you know just like <laughs> oh well you know they both they all have guns no kidding they, they have they're doing the thing with the, the gun at their head like, <laughs> all right say so gonna let us I, I guess like i guess it's better than using a hotel room just because like i think the point of the apartment is not to spend the night it's to just like hang out for like a couple minutes, like, like a couple hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like extra scummy. <clears throat> it's like, yeah, it's just like, I guess like if you did that, like at a hotel, it would be very expensive and kind of weird. Like yeah. people would you. Yeah. I guess the apartment is that the point of it is that like no one's really there and it's kind of far from everything. I was like, why the fuck they just go to hotel rooms? Because they don't want to spend the night. They want to just, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's partly that. And then also partly, you know, you don't want something like The Graduate where they keep going back to the same hotel and everyone recognizes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, they, so basically, CZ Baxter's sort of grown a little bit of a backbone and he's kind of like, you know, he still gives his key to, Mr. Sheldrick, but he's, because he can get the key to Mr. Sheldrick, who's above all of them, he's able to kind of push the others out, which kind of pisses all of them off because they're like, oh, we're the reason that you're here. You know, we're the reason that you, yeah, you are like, where yeah. you are. Yeah. But he basically just pushes them out and Mr. Sheldrick asks for his own key because he's tired of having to borrow uh, CC Baxter's key. So he says, well, why don't you just make me your own key? You know, now that you have this new job, why don't you make me your own key? And he's like, oh, okay. And that's after that is the Christmas party. 
also they set up the fact that um um he finds a mirror that's right uh, mirror and she's like and then uh, yeah mr sheldrick he uh uh, he's like, yeah, bro, because she threw it at me. Ha, a woman think that you're going to divorce the, you know what I mean? It's like, right, <laughs> right away, you, you get the feeling like, oh, Mr. Sheldrick is like kind of messing with her, you know? Um, and like, she like threw something at him. Um, and then, yeah, the Christmas party where it's a crazy party, the craziest party I've ever seen. <laughs> There's like, people are drunk. And uh, yeah, and then Sheldrick's secretary mm-hmm. uh, is drunk and she goes up to Fran. Um, uh, during this though, like a uh, Fran and um, Baxter, they're like kind of hanging out, they're having a couple drinks and stuff. And then, yeah, the secretary goes up to Fran and she's, you know, drunk. And the secretary basically explains to Fran that Fran is just one in a long line of girls which of course she is that have seen mr sheldrick the secretary was once mr sheldrick's uh lover this other person was this other person was and that you know he always basically has the same ploy he says oh i'm gonna divorce my wife and i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that yeah and that really happens and fran who for some reason is just so in love with mr sheldrick like just he likes him a lot he sucks <laughs> he's the worst <laughs> he's a terrible person but she loves him and so at this point her heart is a bit broken. She kind of feels betrayed, I suppose. Yeah, she's upset. Um, and I think, yeah, they, and Baxter's like, ah, oh, you know, he doesn't realize what's going on. You know, he's like, hey, come into my office. Uh, and they're like kind of talking and stuff. And he, she gives him a mirror and it's the same mirror that Mr. Sheldrick have. And that's when he realizes, oh, the woman that Sheldrick has been seeing is Fran. And that also upsets him. <laughs> yeah, at this point, they're all sort of uh, in, a, in an equal state of upset. I mean, Mr. Sheldrick at this point is still a bit uh, naive to the situation, but yeah. and, and for, at this point, Franz doesn't know that they're going to CC Baxter's apartment. She just assumes it's just some, you know, just some apartment. She doesn't know who's... Yeah, she doesn't. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So CC Baxter is really the only one that kind of knows everything that's going on. Well, some of the things that are going on. He knows that Fran and, and Sheldrick are a thing. So after the Christmas party, Sheldrick and Fran have their meeting and then Baxter goes to the bar, remember? Right, because he's all upset because he's because he, he thought, you know, Fran was, was the girl for him. And now he's realized that Fran is with Mr. Sheldrick, which is even, he feels even more skimming about because it's, you know, he's the, he's kind of profited off this whole thing and he feels weird and gross about it because to him before, I suppose he, like he knew that these men were, he was ob- like, he obviously knew these men were having extramarital affairs, but he was like, you know, it's not really my business. I don't, you know. yeah. <clears throat> he felt morally ambiguous, I guess, about the situation. Like it's not, it's just not his thing. And this is how, you know, this is how you get ahead in the world is basically his, it's not that he's like a super ambitious person either it's not like he's like this darkly ambitious figure he just that's uh, yeah that's kind of the weird thing about it too is that like he doesn't come across as i guess he's pretty ambitious like there's a reason why he wants the job um but it's funny too because even when he gets like this new job um he doesn't really like really get any like very much respect from people right like no one actually like 
you know all the people who like he's been helping like don't care about him anymore when he doesn't you know give them what they want you know so who cares if you have the the new job you know what i mean like yeah. no one really like respects him all that much so he doesn't get respect i guess he gets a little bit of pay but obviously that's not important to him mm-hmm. so it's like yeah i guess like the question is like why is he like doing this apartment thing and i think it's just because like he can't say no you know what i mean like he's a yes man too yeah uh, of it i think he's like a yes man he wants to please people you know he doesn't want to make anyone upset or you know he wants to be everyone's friend and stuff like that even if it means kind of like helping these guys do like these really awful things and stuff uh and uh, also trash his place so and uh yeah so cc baxter goes to a bar where he meets this married woman married married woman who's married to a, a jockey who is in prison in Havana for for doping his horse and basically at this point everyone else has left the bar and it's just CC Baxter and this drunk woman you know drunkenly dancing across this bar and while this is happening back at the apartment Mr. Sheldrick is having this huge fight with uh, Fran and, yeah. and Mr. Sheldrick just like <laughs> he's so just like calm and like collected he's just like oh you're just overreacting like this isn't a big deal and, <laughs> and you know I mean I guess like yeah she's upset but again this is kind of her life and he's just like you know just screwing around with it and he doesn't really you, you can see clearly that like he's this very like smooth talking like very you know suave kind of guy but he doesn't he doesn't care about her he doesn't care about anyone he does not yeah no that's clear because yeah they exchange presents and she gets him like a record uh and then he's just like hey here's a hundred dollars <laughs> which is like yeah that's just the ultimate like you know whatever like it's yeah, uh, you can have whatever I have in my wallet. It's like very, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, she, yeah. I mean, like, she, the implication is that Fran probably felt like, you know, like a whore or a prostitute. Yeah. You know, like, and she, yeah. yeah. And I, I love that scene because right as he hands her the $100, she like starts like taking her gloves off and she takes her jacket off. And like, you can see to her that it's, you know, she very much feels like a, a sort of prostitute or, you know, a sex worker, someone who's just kind of, in it for the which clearly Fran is not in it for you know the uh societal benefits or the economic benefits of it no and so she's so pissed off and he's like well I I gotta go you know I gotta go uh I gotta get home I have to get on the train and he's like are you, are you coming with me and she's like I'm just gonna... Christmas Eve by the way by the way what's his excuse for being gone on Christmas Eve <laughs> Uh, yeah. works late he's at a christmas party it's christmas eve though like i don't know <laughs> i guess at a christmas party but yeah it's just like if you have kids like i figured you'd want to like i don't know i feel like that would be unusual but whatever i guess it's not look he's a terrible person so, so. <laughs> i imagine his wife is a bit suspects some things as you know probably yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh Mr. Sheldrick leaves, she goes into the bathroom and we see her holding like a bottle of sleeping pills. <clears throat> yeah. And then we cut back to CeCe Baxter 
and this woman and they decide to go back to the apartment and they're like drunkenly you know, wobbling their way over to her. Uh, I forgot to mention, I wanted to mention this earlier, but there's a point in the movie where they describe one of the female uh, lovers as Marilyn Monroe-esque. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he's like, I got, I got the spine, you know, yeah. And, and part of that, that's actually sort of an inside joke for Billy Wilder because when he was actually working on, I can't remember if it was Some Like a Hot or another, he worked on two films with Marilyn Monroe. Okay. And is Some Like a Hot the one where there's like the wind from the vent and then it like blows up her like skirt? You know what I'm I talking about? Okay. I don't remember if that scene was in that movie, but I know what you're talking about. So apparently that scene took over a hundred takes because- what? Marilyn Monroe could not, she had like one line and she could not remember it for the life of her. And Billy Wilder went absolutely insane. And after that film, he refused to ever work with her again. And he hated, because he worked on a few films with her. He worked on Seven, uh, Seven Year Itch, Some Like It Hot, and there might be one other one. She's pretty good in Some, I mean, like she's like fine in Some Like It Hot, you know? She, she kind of, you know, she's whatever, you know? Yeah, I, I think if you see her last performance, uh, it's a John Ford movie. It came out in like 1960. It was only a couple of, you know, it came out just like a couple, or it was shot a couple of months before she ended up committing suicide. It was, it's an incredible performance if you ever have the chance. It's one of John Ford's last films too, which is really interesting. Um, and it's about Marilyn Monroe kind of, it, it's about, basically it's about Marilyn Monroe because it's about this woman who's like in her mid thirties, who's starting to age and she's absolutely terrified of it. It's a really interesting film. And Marilyn Monroe gives an incredible performance, but part of the reason that the Marilyn Monroe joke is in this film is because by this point, Mar Billy Wilder just hates her. Like he hates her, he hates her so much. He hates everything about her. And he was just trying to like, he was just trying to piss her off, which I mean, yeah, he paints like this Marilyn Monroe character as just like this really stupid, dumb, right? Just beautiful woman. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's neither here or there. So C.C. Baxter is wobbling back to the apartment with this drunken woman who's, I love, I love this woman. Uh, this like type of character who's just like this, I don't even know how to describe this type of character, but it, it's like a very- The woman that he picked up? Yeah. Oh yeah, she's like, she has like the accent and like, yeah. <laughs> you know, she has like the very high pitched like New York accent that like, you know. <clears throat> you always hear in old movies and stuff. It's like, like yeah, she's funny. She's kind of a, kind of a comic relief character. Cause I think like, yeah, he gets to the apartment with her and she's like, ah, and she like, can't stop talking. And she's like, and then he realizes, oh my God, like she's unresponsive. Fran is unresponsive. What am I going to do? So he goes to, he thought he's like about to call the ambulance, but then he's like, wait, my doctor neighbor. Yeah. And I, I love that shot too, because it's, it reminds me a lot of have you seen Imper Murder? Uh it's a 1940s or maybe in 30s Alfred Hitchcock film. And there's a shot that's almost exactly the same where it's a long sh shot held with the uh phone in the forefront and the protagonist in the background kind of walking towards it. And it's just this beautiful long take. And it's just frank I think something we haven't talked about yet is when they're in the apartment, the framing. It's yeah. really wonderful. Like I would say like outside the apartment, it's fine. Like, I don't think there's a lot, like the restaurant's really not that interesting. There's some cool shots in the, um, in the office, but other than like him sitting at his original desk, like him and at the, um, 
like when he once he gets his office or like once he gets another office it's not as interesting but i would say the framing of the apartment is almost always just so beautifully done and this is one of my favorite shots where he goes to call an ambulance and then he realizes that if he calls an ambulance then there will be a report and then mr it's, it's amazing what lengths he'll go to make him happy why you know because yeah, it, it's not even like because it, it doesn't really feel like it's like a, a purely ambitious thing like it doesn't feel like cc baxter is like an evil person who's just like oh i'll do whatever i can to get ahead he just seems like to genuinely care for this awful man yeah it's really weird but i don't know for some reason it's believable i don't know why but it is yeah yeah it, it just it, it works for some reason so he kicks the woman whose husband is Havana and she kick, he kicks her out of the house or apartment. He goes to get Dr. Dreyfus. And of course, Dr. Dreyfus at this point still thinks that uh, CC Baxter is this big, you know, <laughs> bachelor yeah. partier. Yeah, they basically like fool each other into believing that like, um, um, like Baxter is the one who kind of, yeah. it was his fault that she tried to commit suicide. <laughs> And, you know, Dreyfus is just like, you know, you got to get your life together. Um, and I think he says, like, you have to be a, a mensch, which is in German, a human being, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Like, of course, plays in later into the movie. There's a lot of stuff, dialogue in this movie that kind of is said, but it plays in later in the movie. Yeah. Um, and even though, like, Dreyfus is giving hit Baxter advice on something that isn't true, the advice still applies to his life anyway. Yeah. And then, yeah, they pretty much, um, yeah, Fran is like fine now, uh, sort of, um, but she has to spend like the next two days recovering from her suicide attempt in the apartment now and mm-hmm. to hang out and hangs out with Baxter. Mm-hmm. And so those next two days are sort of the, I guess what in a modern rom-com would be like your sort of, mon- you know, your love montage. It's It's not really a montage though, it's just, uh, a couple of scenes where you know she's even after all of this still kind of in love with him or not with Baxter but with Mr. Shydrick and yeah. and for some reason CC Baxter is like well you know he's maybe there's this moment where he she asks to brush her teeth and he goes into the bathroom and he like, like takes out like the razor head and he like takes out like the pills he's like terrified of her committing suicide again because Dr. Dreyfus has told her that you know you do it once and it's bound to happen again it, which is I always forget like how strange the tone of the second half of the film is because like the first because up yeah. to that point like the film's pretty lighthearted and fun yeah but then there's a suicide attempt yeah. and and it's still I mean it's still like a pretty comedic film from this point on but the tone is a bit strange because there's you know there's this underlying thought that she might try to commit suicide and he's absolutely terrified of that and so he's like you know putting stuff away and like trying to hide things and you know he's basically doing everything he can to take care of her and he goes back to Dr. Dreyfus's apartment because he wants to make her breakfast and Dr. Dreyfus's wife answers and of course she she hates C.C. Baxter she hates him so much the funniest part of that whole you know uh That's the funniest part of the whole time when she's at the apartment recuperating is yeah the the yeah, the the doctor's wife like giving her food and being like yeah he sucks <laughs> you know, he's no good 
Yeah. And, and, and similar to when Dr. Dreyfus gave him advice, Mrs. Dreyfus gives her advice, assuming it's about Sissy Baxter, right? But it, it actually applies to Mr. Sheldrick and she kind of takes that advice uh, to heart. She, you know, she's like, oh, well, maybe this Mr. You know, Sheldrick guy really isn't all he's, he's uh, he, we thought he was. And C.C. Baxter has an envelope, which he assumes is a suicide note because he has called uh, Mr. Strydrick on the phone. And he's like, on Christmas day. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he's playing with his kids and, you know, he's, it's, he's, he's on the phone and his wife comes down and he's like, who are you talking to? He's like, oh, it's just, uh, you know. Oh, somebody got hurt at work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they bother me. Yeah, what the heck? And so he's on the phone. And Susie Baxter's like, hey, uh, you know, your mistress, she just, you know, tried to kill herself. Um, do you want to come over here? And he's like, no, 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 I can't do that. It's Christmas. And he's like, okay, well, do you want to, like, talk to her on the phone? No, 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 I can't do that. I do that. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, okay. <laughs> he's like, I, I guess that's okay. And he goes back into uh, the, the bedroom. And he's like, oh, Mr. Strydrick said, you know, lots of nice things. And, you know, he hopes you get better. And she, of course, doesn't buy it. And she's like, open the, the envelope, which at this point we assume is a suicide letter. And he's like, well, I don't know. And he's like, no, 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 open the envelope. And he opens yeah. the envelope. And in the envelope is the $100 bill that she was given to earlier. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they also have a game of gin rummy. They play gin rummy. Um, and at one point, too, during the, uh, you know, while they're there, um, Baxter like confesses his own story about how he almost committed suicide as well, where he like, yeah, like a woman, he lost this woman that he loved. And so he went to drive somewhere in his car and he was going to shoot himself in the head and, but he couldn't do it. And a cop pulled up and he accidentally shoots himself in the knee. And, and he says that that person now sends him a fruitcake every Christmas. He was like, yeah, I have the fruitcake right here. Cause it's around Christmas time. Right. Uh, and yeah, they have a gin rummy. They play gin rummy and Fran talks about how she's, um, you know, uh, she just talks about how, you know, she suffered bad luck in terms of her love life and stuff like that. And, you know, she talks about like, she does love Sheldrick, like you said. And, mm -hmm. and then I think like the, uh, the, uh, one of the managers tries to come to the, tries to come to the apartment, yeah. which, which also is a funny scene kind of. Because the one of the managers tries to come and he has like this thing of champagne. He's like, oh, I was scheduled in for four on Christmas day for some reason, which like, how did he get away from his wife on Christmas day at four in the afternoon? <laughs> so the, the manager comes in with this, you know, big thing of champagne and Cece Baxter's like, you gotta leave, you gotta go. You can't, you can't yeah. be here. Can't and he's away. like, well, what do you mean? I, I, I had an appointment and they, again, all of the managers just feel like they own like the apartment. Like they care nothing for Cece Baxter, but then they see Fran in the bedroom and of course, they get the idea that like, oh, oh, I get you know you you don't have to tell me, buddy boy. Uh, <laughs> and so the manager leaves with this newfound, and he's like, oh, I'll keep my locks, you know, my lips locked. I'm not going to tell anybody about your, uh, you know, your your big secret. And this is also the same person that uh, sexually abused uh, Fran in the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> So a, a real great guy, real overround great guy. Yeah, awesome guy. Um, really best character in the movie. Uh, 
yeah and he's just like whatever this sucks um and then um i think it's like the next day right um and they both of them have not arrived to work they're both still in the apartment mm -hmm. and they're like and the managers are talking it's like yeah i saw fran at his apartment like oh wow how about that and then uh earlier um fran's like i need to talk to my sister and my brother-in-law i live with them they're gonna be worried so the brother-in-law uh, after not hearing from fran goes to her job talks to the managers and then he's able to find out that um you know with a hand the managers are hand wringing because the guy appears violent so he's like uh, yeah she he's here she's here and he's like, he goes there um uh, and he's mad. The brother-in-law is, you know, pissed off um, just because, like, she, he's like, "I've forgotten where you live, friend. Like, you won't call us. Like, what's going on?" You know, he's like upset. And uh, and um, I think even then, the brother-in-law finds out that she tried to kill himself, and she tried to kill herself. And then, you know, the the, the brother-in-law punches him, uh, Baxter in the face, and uh, you know, Frank kisses him, and then they leave, and. You know, that's the end of, you know, the, her visit at the apartment. He gets punched mm -hmm. in the face. <laughs> uh, and then I think after that is a scene where Mr. Sheldrick fires his secretary. Yes. Which is just like, I get that's that Mr. Sheldrick. Why would he do that? Yeah, like, know the cards that you're playing. Because he's dated the secretary. And the secretary knows about every, every woman who's come in. And Mr. Sheldrick just yes. like immediately, like he fires her. He fires her because Fran, no, the secretary had told Fran about his right. other affairs, which is like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but that's why you don't fire that person. Exactly. Like she knows about all these affairs, like Whatever. she's all weird. the cards, but she's he, weird. he fires her. And so she goes out into her like secretary office area and she calls up Mrs. Sheldrick and she's like, hey, do you want to get lunch? I have some uh, educational information for you. Yeah, yeah. Which of course they, uh, they go and get lunch. And this is when Cece Baxter comes back to the office with uh, you know, the big sunglasses because he's got the big shiner. Punched, yeah. And he goes up to the executive or to Mr. Scheidrich's office where Mr. Scheidrich shows him his new office, which is literally just like the room next to Mr. Scheidrich's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. Yeah, and, he's been promoted again. Wonder why. Wonder why. <laughs> and he gives him this like new room and Cece Baxter's like, cool, awesome. Awesome. Just what I wanted. More yeah. stuff. I wanted. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's just like, yeah, so, yeah, and, and uh, you know, it's established, too, of course, that they're getting a divorce, mm -hmm. and that Sheldrick appears that he's going to easily now pursue his affair with Fran more. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, yeah, they're seeing each other again, and, you know, they're all depressed. Yeah. Uh, and then we're getting kind of, like, to the last part of the movie where you know, it's fucking awesome. You know, he's got his office, he's super cool. And then like, and then I think it's like New Year's Eve. 
Um, and Sheldrick is like, all right, good job. Uh, I'm going to need your key, though, for your apartment <laughs> to see to hang out with Fran. Yeah. Who's, you know, like, uh, you know, recovering, I guess you could say. She's obviously, like, kind of, you know, uh, I guess uh, being taking advantage of definitely, even though sure. he's divorcing his wife. I think even they have a conversation, like, Baxter and Fran, they kind of have, like, a weird forlorn conversation about that. Like, oh, they're getting divorced. Cool. Uh, that's great for you, you know. I think so. Yeah. Is that the lo- the scene where they're in the lobby? I think so. Yeah. And like Fran-, Fran comes out of the elevator and he's like looking at this like board because they're like putting up his, yeah, because they're like putting up his his name in the new office. So like C.C. Baxter, second, I don't know, assistant director, something, something, doesn't matter. And Fran comes out and he has like the short conversation with her and he's like, oh, I hear you know, that he's getting divorced and that you know you can you know, pursue him. And she's like, yeah, I guess. And she's like, do you wanna go, you wanna, do you wanna go out? Do you wanna go do something? And he's like, no, 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 I, I have a date over there. I, I have to go, yeah, yeah. I'm going with her. And so she walks away and I, I love this moment because it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a one-er. And so they talk and then she leaves and he walks this lot, like this long lobby and it follows him down this lobby and you see this woman, you know, standing there, you assume who's waiting for him. And the elevator opens and like literally as he like walks up to her, she turns, a man comes and the two of them walk off and Baxter goes to like this uh, newspaper stand. And it's, it's just this like wonderful visual, just like, right? Cause it's not only showing that he's not with someone but it's right, it's a metaphor for Fran and Mr. Sheldrick and him. And I, I just love the, uh, the visual of it. It's just very yeah. well blocked scene. Yeah. So then they're back at the, so then Cece Baxter's back in the office and yeah, Mr. Sheldrick's like, hey, I, I, yeah, I need your key. Uh, and Mr. Baxter, Cece Baxter's like, what? I thought you had like, you know, you should have your own key. And he's like, oh, I, when, when, you know, I heard about what happened, the suicide attempt. He threw the key out the window of the subway, which is something. <laughs> yeah. And, and so he's like, oh, okay, I, I need your key. And, you know, uh, C.C. Baxter's like, no, 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 you can't have my key. You know, you can never come to the apartment again. You can never, t- and you can especially never take Fran to your apartment again. Yeah. And basically, Mr. Stradivic points out, he goes, hey, look, mm-hmm. you know, the only reason you're here is because yeah. I get to use your apartment. That's the only reason. You're not like extra talented. You're not any good at what you do. You know, it takes years for people to get in this position and 30 seconds to leave. So just give me your key. So CC Baxter's like, okay. Gives him a key and he walks into his office, which again is right next to Mr. Sheldrick's. And he's starting to put on his coat. And Mr. Sheldrick comes in, he's like, wait a minute, you gave me the wrong key. Yeah. CC Baxter's like, no, no, no. I gave you the right key. I gave you the key to the executive washroom. Washroom. And so basically CC Baxter's like, you're not getting the apartment key you don't get this, this, you know, I'm taking control of my life. I'm giving up everything because love, or I don't know if it's love necessarily, or just like. He said he's going to become a mensch. Yes, that's right. He says I'm going to become a mensch. Yeah. 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 He, yeah. And he quits and he goes to the apartment and uh, he starts packing up his stuff because he's kind of, you know, he's done. Um, he's, uh, he's not going to deal with that crap anymore. <laughs> And I think I, I will say too, the movie is a lot 
the movie i think it has a lot to say about like corporatism which probably has only gotten worse over the past like yeah. 50, 60 years you know what i mean kind of like uh you know just um this idea that if you work really hard in like a corporation you'll be able to be the assistant right you know what i mean but at the end of the day like it's really just all about doing like favors for people right it's not really about it's not i mean sometimes it is of course we would like <laughs> Think that it is but i think sometimes it really is about doing uh, favors for people yeah. uh which shows how i guess flawed it is and how like you know stupid and dumb it is you know corporations you know uh they uh the, the people at the top aren't necessarily the most talented people uh they're just the most uh they're either people who are willing to hurt or pe other people or they're people who are yes men who are willing to do what other people to do what they say you know what i mean so and you know jack lemon is the he's the yes man but then of course he realizes no uh you know this isn't right uh i'm not going to play this you know game anymore it's not good uh i quit so it's it's very good progresses well and then yeah i think that night like sheldrick and fran like are at a party it's new year's yeah. They're in a New Year's Eve party, and you can see that Fran's, you know, not in a great place. Mr. Sheldrick's living his best life, yeah, and he comes over there, and he's like, hey, we're going to go to uh, Atlantic City, because I couldn't get a, a hotel room in uh, New York. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, okay. He's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I was going to, I was going to use this guy's apartment you know, C.C. Baxter, but this this rude, terrible person wouldn't let me use his apartment. Yeah, he sucks. He quit. <laughs> what an idiot. What an idiot. <laughs> and, you know, she has this, like, moment of recognition that C.C. Uh, Baxter has given up everything. He uh, stood up for himself, and yeah. he stood up for Fran, which is pretty cool. really did, you know? <laughs> yeah. So she leaves the New Year's party, and she goes to the apartment where... She's walking up the stairs and she hears a gunshot. Yeah. Or what we assume is a gunshot. So she freaks out. She runs to the apartment. She's slamming on the door and CC Baxter opens the door and he has this bottle of champagne that's just overflowing. And uh, it, it takes her a, a minute to figure out that he is not indeed uh, trying to commit suicide, just opening a bottle of champagne. Yeah. And, and yeah, that part's kind of cool just because, like, um, it's more like, he, he probably is happier than he's ever been because he stood up to him. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh no, the, the, he lost his girl or whatever. And now he's sad, but he's, that's okay though, because he stood up for himself and for Fran. So he probably feels like he's, that's why he probably opened the champagnes because he's feeling yeah. awesome. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so yeah, I feel like that's a good indication of his feeling. Cause he's like, obviously he's, he's sad he can't be with Fran probably at that moment. But um, it's kind of interesting because, you know, he, he stood up for himself, not because he was sad, but because he was, you know, brave. And now he's feeling good because, you know, that feels good to do. Yeah. It's good. So she goes back into the apartment. Uh, they have like a little last conversation. And he's like, I'm, I'm moving. You know, I, I don't want to be here anymore. Maybe new town, new city, whatever. I just, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to, you know, kind of change things. And she asks to play a game of gin rummy. Obviously, uh, uh, a reference to the Jin Remy game they played earlier in the film. And that's how the film ends with the two of them playing Jin Remy. 
like yeah that. i think like for, yeah he says like yeah they both say like yeah like we're both you know like we don't have jobs and we're both single <clears throat> and then i think like he asks about sheldrake and she says like oh we'll send him a fruitcake <laughs> yeah this and uh i think he says like you know i love you or whatever and she's like oh just whatever shut up and deal you know <laughs> you know way you know yeah yeah it's kind of like it ends on a very very nice very kind of sort of happy ending you know yeah. what i mean where uh uh, you know, uh, she doesn't really say like, oh, I love, I love you, you know, CC Baxter, you know, she doesn't say anything like that. She's just more kind of like, um, impressed with him, you know what I mean? So, and, uh, the time that they shared in the apartment, you know, cemented at least like a friendship, you know, like at least like some kind of, you know, strong bond of something, you know, so, and that's good enough for both of them. So, yeah, nice, nice, nice ending. Yeah. Yes, sir. So out of 10, what would you rate this film, Andrew? I think if I had to rate it, I think I would give it like an eight. It's quite good. Um I uh I liked it more than Some Like It Hot. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the thing about Some Like It Hot is that like the, the apartment at least has like a um has that turning point when she tries to commit suicide that really adds to the movie. Mm -hmm. um but yeah just great writing you know i love jack lemon fantastic very likable very relatable guy um when you see him like struggle um, or just do anything you know he's just a very funny nice person very relatable um you know very good guy and there shirley mclean was also very good too very nice relatable um you know you want them want everyone to succeed and you know just uh you know visually you know looked fine you know black nice black and white uh it's uh pretty good um but yeah just the writing and the acting are really what it's all about you know with with a movie like this that's really what it's all about just kind of the great story like that just progresses very nicely and it, everything makes sense for the most part you know uh and it's just a very enjoyable, nice um, story where it starts in a very satisfying way and it ends in a very satisfying way. Just very expertly crafted. So yeah, I would give it an eight, it's good. I think I'm gonna give this movie a nine out of 10. I adore this movie so much. I adore Billy Wilder. He was always been one of my favorite directors and originally when I watched it, I gave it an eight out of 10. And typically when I rewatch a film, the score goes down more than it goes up. And there's just something about this film that I just find so magical and beautiful and wonderful. And we didn't even talk about the score at all, but I, I love the score and that kind of like, you know, the, the kind of jazzy score. I mean, it's, it's sort of heavy at times, you know, it's kind of always there. But I love the score, incredible performances. I love Jack Lemmon. I think Billy Wilder is one of the great writers of the 20th century. If I, if I had any, you know, the reason it's not a 10 out of 10 is I do, I do think it's, it steps a very fine line on the tone for the second half of the film. Because when I, when I watch the film for the second time and I watch the beginning of the film, it's just so funny and like lighthearted. And I, I think it's fine that it transitions into a different film and that's great. And I think it does a really good job.
but I think that's a really hard tone to master. And I think at sometimes it's sort of on the line. So, you know, great film overall, but maybe not a 10 out of 10. All right, y'all, thank you all for listening. I'm Austin Lugo. I'm Andrew Harp. You can find me at AustinLugo12. You can find me at at ADHarp24 on twitter.com. And please be sure to like, subscribe, and review us wherever you listen or watch this. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Bye.